89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning. Good morning. It is a very good morning here in Maine right now. It's time for Boat Talk, 10 o'clock every second Tuesday of the month with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. Boat Talk is a a call-in boating show that um, tries to answer such questions such as, uh, do double-enders need two heads? Yep. <laughs> it, it can get very deep at uh, Boat Talk, and it, as I said, it's a call-in show. The number, if you'd like to contribute anything or ask anything, the number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 And uh, we're just going to jump right into uh, several different topics. We have a, a, a guest here, Molly Mulhern, is here to talk about some uh, important subjects and... Uh, we're going to start with uh, current events. Molly uh, wrote a great article in the Current Points East uh, magazine, the June edition, called Use Your Head, uh, Keeping Our Waters Clean About Pumping Overboard. Yeah. And again, uh, Boat Talk will be, uh, you know, trying to uh, talk it this morning. So, and uh, got a couple other little things. First thing that comes to me, there was a uh, thing on the news the other day, um, they're looking for a fellow down in Texas, I believe he's a police chief. He was out on his boat uh, fishing off of uh, the Houston Ship Channel. A, uh, another boat came by and waked him. He ended up in the water. They haven't seen him since. He wasn't wearing a life vest. His, his wife was left on board trying to spot him and, and find him and get him back, and uh, they never have. And, to be on ID next. And he wasn't wearing a life vest. Did she push him? Uh, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> apparently nobody there but the wife and the chief, and he ain't, you know, I doubt he's coming back, and um, this will come up later this morning. I have had a lot of the same habits, uh, pumping uh, uh, waste, marine waste overboard as my friend Molly here. Another one of my habits is not to wear a life jacket or vest hardly ever at all, Yeah. and uh, delivering boats, I do most of the stupid stuff that needs to be done, too, so, you know... Um, and a couple of times I have been tethered, almost uh, tether almost killed me. So, you know. I just got to interrupt quickly just to say last Saturday off of Curtis Island, we were bringing our boat in, saw a little skiff circling. And I said to my partner, we ought to go check it out. And we got to the skiff, and another boat was also joining, and they had set down their sails. We'd put our sails down. Two boys in the water, seventh graders. They'd hit a wave, <coughs> flipped out, but they were wearing their life jackets. Right off the mouth of Camden Harbor. Right off Curtis Island yeah. last Saturday. And uh, I'm sure those boys will wear their life jackets. Uh, again, being in the water right now in a life jacket ain't a good thing either. It's yeah. awful cold. Yeah, they were pretty shaken up. Yeah. And, uh, and, they, wow. and the skiff ran out of juice and slowed down and then Lyman Morse came and picked it out but it was one of those I've got a couple of the good ones too Uh, the life vest that is inflatable you know so it's not like wearing the big orange uh, geeky thing but I figure if I don't wear them they'll last forever you know 
So, uh, no, I'm, I'm kind of bad that way, and I do admire some of my friends who are much more experienced uh, master mariners than I. They wear their vests. Uh, so, yep, yeah. uh, yep. I, I'm one of the good guys. Now, I was bad, but there's very little excuse to wear them now because they, the inflatable ones are so uh, minimal that they don't really get in your way. There's no real excuse to not wear one. Yeah, and, again, you've got to uh, keep that thing maintained and... Uh, Hope it don't blow up on you accidentally sometimes. So, uh, but wear your life vests. That's our recommendation. Still early. There are boats out there right now. It's not. It's uh, not quite, but almost the Fourth of July. Speaking of which, what's coming up? The water up, always uh, stays cold. That's not an issue. <laughs> what, what's coming up weekend after next, though? Um, well, I'd like to go right first to John Han- John Johansson, who is here. Um, John is the prime organizer of the Maine Lobster Boat Races. And, uh, John, those guys, they wear life vests when they're racing, don't they? They have to. They have to. Everybody on the boat has to have a life vest or they're disqualified. So, yes. Yeah. Good. That's a positive step. So, um, coming up, what, two weekends from now, June 22nd, is that what you're talking about? One after next one, I believe, yes. Yes, a Saturday, Saturday evening is the Boat Talk Cruise. <laughs> Boat Talk Cruise annual event that we have here. It's a fundraiser for WERU. We hop on the Sea Princess, which is provided by um, AcadiaCruises.com. Um, they uh, open up the whole boat, and we uh, put a, uh, a potluck food on the engine box, which is right more or less in the center of the boat there, and have a, uh, a potluck cruise up and down Somme Sound. Um, I checked. There's only 18 tickets left. Tickets are going rather quickly this year. So. Yeah. The Boat Talk Cruise is uh, semi-legendary, and it's actually in the membership uh, uh, description of WERU that you have to take it someday, uh, yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, a lot yeah. of people have. Nobody's had a bad time. Uh-huh. And... Uh, Rain or shine, the boat's got a uh, roof and side curtains on it. Yeah. And worst is, uh, you know, we'll be uh, in a close-in watercolor uh, fog uh, run around, but it's always good. Um, potluck, BYOB, and kids under 12 are free. Yep. yep. And you know? I, uh, I have another little uh, insider tip here. We're going to be talking about Japanese invaders. All this, right. This yep. year on gotcha. the cruise. Yep. I drive a Mitsubishi Montero. I know all about Japanese invasions. So <laughs> there. Uh, Pearl Harbor, respect the hardware. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, and, and like I say, it was, uh, you know, uh, 18 tickets left, perhaps. The radio station here, we love um, the Sea Princess and also our friend uh, Diver Ed sometimes uh, loans us his boat. Yep. Very generous of him. We try Starfish to, Enterprise. Yeah, we put out a, uh, uh, a bucket and try to get some a uh, uh, couple bucks back for gas for those folks. They like us. We, you know, they get to eat too, and uh, it's all good company. But the radio station here absolutely loves us. It's a pretty predictable fundraiser that they, you know, yeah, can uh, pretty much count on every year. And uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good it's, way to help do your part, support the radio it's station. Certainly, a, a good deal for you and I. We get to go on a boat trip and raise money for the station at the same time. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, it's never, never been a bad boat talk cruise. Can't. No, no. So where do you? Sign up for this. Uh, you can call the radio. Thank you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the important part here. Call the station here anytime, uh, 469-6600.
or uh, try info not anytime during business hours. Info at weru.org, I believe. Uh, check it out on the website. Might be able to make some progress there. Yeah, there's some pictures you. there too. Yeah. So, Boat Talk website this morning. Uh, I'm sorry, Boat Talk Cruise. Uh, article from the Bangor Daily News uh, a couple of days ago. Researchers find whale to measure whale stress. Uh, that's great. And uh, what they're doing is uh, the hormones get concentrated in the baleen, and this is after whales are dead. Point being that stressed-out whales, uh, it hurts their immune system and their reproduction uh, ability, you know. And apparently, uh, hardly anybody more stressed out than the endangered North Atlantic right whale. A particular concern because the population is so small and is steadily falling. Only 411 of the whales are left, down from 490 less than a decade ago. U.S. lobster fishing industry is bracing for new restrictions this year and, you know, designed to protect the species. And, again, uh, we're all here together in changing waters. And uh, whales ain't doing all that good. No, there is a little bit of good news. They're seeing a few more babies this year than they have in the past few years. So, um, But still, they're very vulnerable. Yeah. So that's uh, – and, again, I watched the uh, – try to comment on the um, uh, climate change paradigm going on. You watch the uh, middle of the country being flooded out, and you go, wow, it's good to be bo- boat people. <laughs> There's uh, – you know, a lot of water on the planet and a lot more coming. And the idea can <laughs> it can rain like uh, uh, nine inches in, in uh, 12 hours or so is just, uh, it's threatening. Yeah. You know, you can't operate much in, in conditions like that. No. And then uh, uh, low snowpack out in California and already uh, drought fires. Uh, the other lesson is choose the flood over the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not for long, but yeah, um, I heard on NPR just recently that there is a, a very large ice shelf in Antarctica that they're getting concerned about, and they say it's so large that it might raise the water level by 11 feet. And our great leader just the other day was in asked... Arctic or Antarctic? Antarctic. Yeah. And a great leader was over in Britain, asked what he thought about uh, climate change, and says, well, climate changes all the time. It could change this way, it could change that way, so maybe the ice will fall back up, man. <laughs> fall up right we could yep. hope yeah i'm also told the sunspots are going to uh cool everything off so uh the sun's sun's going dark according to some conspiracy theorists as well but <laughs> i'm, I'm uh, not reliably reporting that this morning at all please yeah yeah, yeah. this is hey speaking of uh yeah what are we doing boat talk <laughs> <laughs> oh man and again uh, we don't do a script for this and and the phone is always available Yep, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about it this morning. And again, we have Molly Mulhern in this morning. Uh, Molly, you've uh, apparently got a bit of a resume. We want to start. <laughs> let's start with inter- international marine. Uh, well, thank you for having me here, Mike and Alan. Uh, yes, I was a, a long-term international marine. Uh, Worker, I worked with a great crew of uh, folks. We published, started, Roger Taylor started the company in 1969. We published Nigel Calder, Don Casey. Uh, we had a great run of book publishing out of Camden, Maine. Um, and uh, we closed that down in 19, uh, 2014. And uh, I've had the privilege of working with some of those authors after we closed the company. But uh, yeah, book publishing went through a lot of changes over those years. So you didn't go to Tilbury, huh? 
No, we uh, had a couple of, of uh, our team went off, and uh, they're still publishing mostly children's books now, but they're having a, a good run of it. Um, but I've been working with Bloomsbury Publishing, which does a nautical line, and so I've been able to work with John Kretschmer and Casey Cronkite, who will come back to. Uh, the nautical publishing world has really gotten quite small in the United States right mm. now, and just the, you know, YouTube, you can learn how to change your oil filter. You don't need a... Uh, Nigel Calder to describe it all, although if you can read Nigel, you're going to know how to do it. So it was a great run and some really, really good authors and books. Uh, some of the all-time marine classics yeah. have come through International Marine Publishing there, yeah. yeah. And Nigel Calder's book is probably the most expensive book I've ever bought, but <laughs> one of the most useful, yeah. I would say. Yeah, you know, I heard you guys talking about Nigel in one of your shows, and if you don't know Nigel, he is a hoot. And if we could, you could ever get him here, he doesn't. Haven't had him yet, we've thought of it. He lives in Newcastle part of the year, and he splits his time. Now he's in Europe a lot. He's working on uh, his uh, new boat, but... Uh, He's just got an incredible, credible um, repertoire of stories to tell. And we published a new book called Shakedown Cruise by Nigel, which is his sort of autobiography, which is a really humorous tale. He worked on oil rigs and some other stuff when he oh, was excellent. young. And, uh, so got, a, got a sea story or two, possibly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a possibly, great guy. Possibly, yeah. Yep. And again, if something's broken, man, uh, <laughs> nobody better to have around, apparently. Yeah, you know, yeah. he'd set up ex uh, you know, experiments in his basement, and he'd test his pumps. He tested everything he, he did in that book. And the course of that publishing history, he's in his fifth edition now, I think. He just kept going. He just kept researching things and researching things, and, you know, and he's so curious. Boat owners, uh, electrical and mechanical. Mecha uh, mechanical and electrical, man. Yeah, manual, yeah. yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. say, a big red book. Uh, yeah. Costs a couple bucks, but, man, everything's yeah. in there. So, uh, all right, International Marine Publishing, that's a fairly, uh, you know, pretty good resume thing. You're also involved with this apprentice shop, the apprentice our friends shop. at the apprentice shop. Yeah, Speak yeah. of the apprentice shop for a moment, please. Well, I have the uh, privilege of being uh, chair of the board down there, and we're still going strong in Rockland, Maine. We're a boat building school. We have a two-year apprentice program. We have a 12-week apprentice program, and we do a summer sail community sailing program right there in Rockland Harbor. Uh, great uh, bunch of people. We got a great new sailing director on board, new waterfront director. We've got a great executive director. It's a great spot. We have Friday community lunches every Friday, and uh, just come on down and check us out. They build, build. Uh, Susan Skiff is the first boat that's built by uh, an apprentice, and then right now we've got a Dublin Bay um, boat on the floor, which is an incredible boat we're building for uh, a Dublin yacht club. And uh, just a lot of really cool stuff going on. And next Wednesday, we got an author uh, giving a talk, Casey Cronkite. Yes, I've read about that. She's got an amazing story to tell. Um, yeah. Why don't you probably know the details better than I do, but yeah, uh, she uh, yeah. discovered an old wooden boat. A Spitzgatzer, I think is how you say it. Mm. Double-ended uh, boat that she found. She was running the Port Townsend Boat Show out there and uh, she fell in love with this boat she swore she was never she knew better to buy a wooden boat but she bought this wooden boat and she she started rebuilding it and then she discovered the stories that went with the boat and she traced the ownership all the way back to 19 I can't remember quite what year 24 that she was built in and but Casey's this boat for Casey was just a trip back in time she met many many of the owners and so on and her book finding packs is a book that talks about um, boats as a way to connect with generations and past generations. And a wooden boat, of course, you know, has got so much history. So she'll be speaking at the Apprentice Shop next Wednesday night. I think it's 6 o'clock. Check the website. Um, she's a great author. She's working on a new book called When a Cowgirl Goes to Sea. <laughs> Casey grew up in Oklahoma. 
and wound up spending several, several decades uh, sailing around the world. And this book is sort of her transition from Oklahoma to circumnavigator. So oh. If I had book. a pony, I'd ride him on my boat. That's mm. right. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, uh, the apprentice shop, what is, uh, it sounds uh, like uh, things are going pretty good down there besides just the wonderful location, location, location. What's the secret to the success of that place? <laughs> The uh, passion for wooden boat building and community building. It's not, we say we build people through building boats, and it's all about sort of learning what you can do and how much you can push yourself through things like building boats. The apprentices go on expedition for 10 days in open boats, and they learn a f thing or two on that. Many of them have never been in a boat before, so they not only built this boat that they go out in 10 days on, but they then they actually use it, learn seamanship and... Mm -hmm. So when, when they go on these 10-day expeditions, do they bring cell phones? <laughs> I don't think so. Good. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. A little wet for that, I'd say. Yep. Now, uh, another organization or two uh, you care to mention in, in your resume as well? <laughs> Just, that's, you know. that's enough. That's enough for now. All right. <laughs> and Molly uh, Mulhern, uh, again, a great article in the June 2019 Points East, uh, the boating magazine for coastal New England. Use your head, keeping our water's clean. What kind of boat we got, Molly? Well, uh, my partner and I sail a J34C. She's a 19 oldie but goodie, built in 1989 by TPI. Great little sailor boat, fast boat. Uh, plastic, classic plastic. Yeah, she's a good one. Yeah. She's a good one. Um, how does, uh, uh, do you use the boat a lot? How does the boat, uh, uh, you know, uh, does it get uh, plenty of time in your life? And what's it, it What's it mean to you? It means a ton. Uh, I think it's uh, the thing that, uh, I don't know, it's a whole different world out there. You become a totally different kind of way of being out on the bay. I I was a wharf rat. I came up to Camden at 15 to work on the Windjammers, so Penobscot Bay was a first love, and that boat just can take us all over. What was the first jammer you were on? Uh, I, I first visited on the Stephen Tabor. Uh, yes. But then I worked for Orville and Andrew on the Roseway for six years. Rosewood, that's a pretty Roseway. boat. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, she's hauled up at Gloucester. Yeah, yeah, she was a pilot schooner, and yeah, yeah, she's, she's not in the trade she's anymore. Getting a, she's getting a new transom right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Molly, I always uh, think when I've uh, been on a boat for a little while, I come home and I flip on the TV, <laughs> and I look at it, and I go, really? <laughs> this is the real world? <laughs> I've just been to the real world. Yeah. And I call it out of sight of land, I call it church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. again, the the difference I notice, uh, the benefit to my life is you come back to your real life, look around and go, really? Yeah. Kind yeah. of figure out what matters out there. Yeah. And again, you've got to play it straight or, uh, you know, get your ass handed to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we are cruising Maine here. And as uh, a fellow who I uh, captained for for a while, uh, we took boat down to Nova Scotia a couple of times. And isn't that great, Jerry? And, uh, you know, we got to go. Why would we go down there, Maine? Uh, Mike, we're already in Maine, and you can't <laughs> say anything to that. Yeah. Best cruising grounds in the world here, basically, in, yeah. in so many ways. And a um, uh, big tide, 10-foot um, uh, uh, on average, tidal yeah. flush here. Yeah. Um, now, boating <laughs> is, uh, as I like to say, living is all camping. And boating is, you know, yachting is camping, but it's easy camping. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it is camping. Yeah. And... Uh, so let's face it, you've got to eat, you've got to uh, sleep, you've got to uh, be able to keep dry, warm, all them kind of things, and you got to poo and pee. You do. Yep. yep. And the days of taking your uh, dog for a walk without a plastic bag are over. Ah, 
Indeed. And you can't take yourself anywhere without a plastic bag or, uh, you know, some kind of... Uh, what? Yeah. We have a, a phone call, so let's go to James in Camden. Oh, good, he's my good, partner. <laughs> good morning, James. Good morning. I had I had to call in because uh, I, I wanted to say how much I uh, appreciate um, Molly's article, and I, I wanted to uh, tell you that she and I spent many, uh, many an hour debating um, when, how, and if we were going to finally comply with the regulations and uh, um, Molly's social conscience is uh, very strong. Um, and I am also concerned about, you know, protecting our environment. And so uh, we decided that we needed to comply um, with the regs. And of course, as soon as we started using the head the way it was supposed to be used, um, we ran into this uh, significant issue. <laughs> With the, um, with the odor and the problems with the materials that were used in this boat that was, you know, 18, 1989 vintage. Um, and uh, so as a result of that, we had to make a significant upgrade to the system in order to make it um, usable. Um, we finally resolved that we had to do that after Molly's 90-year-old uh, mother came aboard for a weekend, and that was just really intolerable. <laughs> So, uh, you know, Molly's going to talk more about this, but the, the, the issues have as much to do with the lack of um, uh, suitable materials uh, in a lot of the boats, the production boats that are out there. Um, they're using basically the least expensive uh, material they can use for the hoses and the valves and so forth. And, and those systems are really not adequate if you're really going to be using them and complying with the law. So uh, I could speak more about that, but uh, that might be something that you gentlemen uh, could talk about, too, if you're knowledgeable about <clears throat> these things, is that uh, you have to go really to the high end of the, of the um, cost spectrum to get material that will actually uh, do the job and keep the odor out of the cabin. Um, and that's uh, an issue, I think, for boaters in general. A lot of them don't want to spend the money to to get a system that works and gets into compliance. Um, but that's something that uh, we really need to do as a society because the impacts on these harbors, places like uh, Pulpit and uh, even Camden Harbor, Belfast, um, Perry's Creek. I mean, we, we have a whole slew of places that we'd love to go. Um, and when you go swimming uh, in those places, uh, you don't, you don't want to be bothered by uh, somebody else's uh, head discharge. And uh, not only that, but it has an impact on, on the creatures living in that cove. And so we do need to become more um, conscious about it. And I just wanna give Molly um, credit for sticking um, with this issue and making us all more aware uh, because she, she is, uh, once she gets an idea in her head, you're not going to dissuade her. Uh, but uh, I wish the rest of us were as, as conscious as she is about our impact on the environment. And uh, I, I just want to applaud her. And I hope you guys ask lots of good questions. That's all I had to say. Well, and as Molly puts it, James, uh, you got to James. You got to do what's right for all, not not just for yourself. You know. I think one thing we That's need right. to do: explain the regulations. Well. 
Well, the, the law is three miles out you're not supposed to discharge, but we have official no-discharge zones in the, the area from several areas of the coast of Maine, all of Casco Bay, out of uh, Mount Desert, I think southwest, northeast, that whole Cranberry Isle is all no-discharge, all of Long Island Sound, I think maybe all the Chesapeake, all, I'm not really sure. So, I mean, the law is that we're not supposed to discharge anything overboard uh, in those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the the one to three the three mile limit is a sort of debatable thing, but you know it's the law that we make, but also the law that we know is really my issue. You know, what are you doing when you, even if you're out, you know, someplace different, and it's not a discharge zone. It's just not the right thing. Yeah. So have uh, the law we realize is a lot of no discharge. Have you ever heard of anybody being fined? Well. It's funny, I think uh, Nantucket, and I could be wrong, but Nantucket is, is really cracking down on uh, people, and they actually give you a dye. When you pick up, if you're picking up a mooring, they're going to give you a dye tablet that you have to put in your holding tank in your unit. So pumping that, out purple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I know that Bob Mugglestein, the uh, editor at um, Points East, when we ran the article, he had some stories. He didn't run them with the article about charter boats getting caught. It may be, I'm not sure exactly where, but if you do get caught, it is a big issue. But I know, for instance, the uh, Bredore Lakes down in uh, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, uh, it is said to take 12 years to change wow. the water. It's a uh, brackish uh, inland, uh, you yeah. know, uh, salt, uh, part salt, part, part fresh, and boy, they are the fiercest people I've ever run into yeah. about pumping overboard. Yeah. You, you know? Think about a place in your backyard, uh, Somes Sound. Think about up at Somesville there. If, if the, and there's a lot well, of cruisers uh, that go up there, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't want to be there at the end of July, and, you know, and uh, swimming in that. And people do swim right yep. in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, for years, the thing was, uh, you know, as James knows uh, quite so well, the difference between a boat which is using its holding tank and one which is uh, not, when you uh, get to your boat on a sunny day, you open the hatch and you smell some old fiberglass and kind of you smell the poop. Yeah. There's yeah. no, I don't think it's possible to have a traditional marine head wet system without smelling it. Well, yeah. Well, call me in about four weeks. At the end, when we work with the new system here, I'll see. Uh, we'll best of luck. With yeah. Again, yeah. Uh, you know, Hinkley uh, used to work for Hinkley. They use the best stuff they can and the hoses permeate and yeah. just, you know, yeah. there's, there's no way around it. Yeah, but I, I think that's, you know, the great thing about the capitalist society we're in is if there's demand, somebody might design it, but there hasn't been demand, ah, I don't we're think. getting to that now, and the, and the solution is now uh, a good modern boat will have a, um, a fiberglass tank, which is uh, strong and, and uh, you know, um, won't smell too much, uh, yeah. uh, you know, built into the hull somewhere. A retrofitted boat like your 1984 J-boat there, <laughs> is going to have a plastic bag. Yeah, that's what we got. With hoses going in and out of it. And it you fits it. in any space, like under a bunk where it's right. kind of narrow and triangular. But you try to take one of those things out of the boat after it's had poo in it. I don't know any way to get it out clean. I've yeah. tried, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. And yeah. now it's under your bunk. Yeah. And, again, plastic will permeate. And, uh, you know, yeah. what else could go wrong? Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, yeah, everything. You store an wrong. anchor under the bunk with a plastic bag. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. F- few years ago, Practical Sailor did a uh, very extensive r- testing and report of uh, different marine sanitation hoses, yeah. and there was quite a large difference between some of the some of the good ones and some of yeah. the not so good ones. Yeah. So um, it's something that y- you think you're just going to put you know one in there cheap and get by with the rules. That's probably not a very good way to go. Yeah. 
We're doing boat talks morning, talking to Molly Mulhern about uh, using heads on the coast of Maine uh, and about anywhere else nowadays. Uh, Want to give us a call? Try it anytime. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. He's got it memorized, more or less. <laughs> I should anyway. Um, now, um, you know, and the whole idea was there's a ten foot tide here, so we flush it overboard, and uh, it's gone. It's out of sight. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, gone. Like it's going to the dump. Who cares what happens to it after it's gone? Uh, think you know? of think about Camden Harbor or mm. Bar Harbor, any of those tight spaces. Yeah, your point in the article about uh, multiplying the numbers of, uh, of all these incidents is uh, yeah. very yeah. valid. Yeah, you know, uh, we have uh, the Camden Classics Cup is a big race that has is fourth year now, I think, in Camden, and we get about 80 boats come in just for the race, and, I, and as I say in the article, I was talking to the pump-out guy the weekend of that race last year, and he said, you know, he'd done 900, I can't remember how many pump-outs, but just thinking about those people not using the pump-out boat, just, boy, you know, I can't mm. imagine. I, and the folks at Lyman Morris, which is our uh, local boatyard, they're right in Camden Harbor, I asked them a few weeks ago, we were having a little conversation, and they said, well, if you walk along the piers in the middle of the night, you'll know what people are doing with their holding tanks. And you know, basically, a lot of the yachts are still just flushing right in the harbor because, and again, why, if you're using your tank, would you wait till the middle of the night and not get it pumped out? But, you know, they're just, they just got these systems that they use and they don't use their holding tanks. They don't get pumped out. We have free pump out in Camden. I think there's free pump out in uh, any number of places now. It's just. I believe Carnival Cruise Lines were just fined again for uh, discharge violations, and again, they were caught a couple years ago with a uh, boat where magic plumbing was designed <laughs> into it so yeah. they could divert waste and bilge water yeah. uh, different directions. Yeah. It was designed that way to yeah. cheat. Yeah, and yeah. They were, they were, the Coast Park Guard uh, started tracing the plumbing and go, there's no magic plumbing, plumbing always goes somewhere, and you know, uh, yeah. like yeah. I say, we yeah. take the, par the pump pipe apart, and uh, oh, it's uh, like I say, yeah. A little poopy inside, so y hey. Gotcha. You, know, you know, for me, the, the where we've come, I'm old enough to remember on the schooners, we used to go offshore and we used to take our bags of plastic and just put them overboard, you know, and that was the way it was done. You and I talked about that, Mike, at the beginning. Back then, 40 years ago, we all thought that was going to be okay. If you think about what we know about plastics and trash in the ocean now, it's still there. And the way I feel about what we're doing with our holding tanks or not using them is that, you know, we just don't know. We think that everything's going to be great. It doesn't really matter. But I don't think we know, you know. So I think we do the right thing and maybe we prevent the Do problem. the right thing. That's important. Yes, we have Frank on the line. So let's, let's go to Frank. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. How about those giant poop containers that go under the name of cruise ships? <laughs> Speak to that. Please. Oh, we and just also, also the Navy, the Pentagon is the biggest pooper in the world. <laughs> Talk about that. Huh. Uh, just mentioned Carnival Cruise Lines again. They were uh, fined again for discharge violations and uh, been caught by uh, for magic plumbing. The um, idea of the U.S. Navy, man, I don't want to touch that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've, they've had to reform. They've had to. Yeah. Huh. They don't, no more plastic overboard. Uh -huh. <laughs> But do they have holding tanks? <laughs> they must have because they're in port a lot, so they'd have to have holding tanks. 
Well, we could call BIW Soup Ship and see what they got. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to <laughs> report on that next next <laughs> next show. Now, a holding tank is a limitation. Like a water tank, you've only got enough fresh water to do this, that, and the other. You don't let the water run on the boat unnecessarily, right. and you don't fill up your uh, holding tank unnecessarily either. Um, you have a plastic bag on your boat, and... Uh, what your mother comes and and uh, sleeps right on top of it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, mom's bunks right over the well, right over the holding tank. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's an issue of use. Um, yeah. You know, so. Uh, well, what I want to say is that it's not an easy issue. I mean, as I say in the article, we dealt with years with not using the holding tank, and I I know a lot of boaters that it's a real leap to do it, to say, oh, I'm gonna I am gonna use my holding tank, and I'll be I'll just ready to admit it's not easy to do it. It's just because we're all used to the easier way. Um, now, how do we get the holding tank cleaned out, basically? Mm -hmm. The uh, the tank, the bag, has a, a hose that goes up to the deck. Yeah. has a fitting, says waste on it, and a little key, open it. That's right. And then... Uh, then that's, that's right. In Camden, uh, we have free pump out, so at the end of a weekend cruise, week cruise, or whenever you need it, you can go in, and they'll come right by side of the boat for free. Call them on the radio. They'll come right up. And they'll pump it out, and then, you know, you probably want to rush some, put some extra seawater in it and run some seawater through it. That's not a great solution, but you can do some things to clean out your, your holding tank between uses. I don't have all the answers. I'm not an expert, and we're just trying to work it out, you know. But the pump out works slick. We haven't seen any accidents, knock on wood. And there's also, uh, you know, other marinas will have, you can go, tr go to the dock and, you know, get your pump. Um, pumped out, and what I understand in Lyman Morse in Camden is that it goes into the town sewer system from there. Okay, and again, this uh, pump out could be at the dock, or it could be on a boat that yep. comes and, and uh, ties aside you. Yeah. Um, they vacuum it out, yeah, take it someplace much. else. Yes, yeah. there yeah. are additives you can add after it's been vacuumed out too yeah. to help with the uh, yeah yeah digestion. Now let's imagine we're on a uh, we're taking the month of July going on a cruise. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah, this is a tricky area. And uh, <laughs> we don't want to plan the cruise by pump-out stations now, yeah, do we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I say this is a challenging choice because there you could be out day four. You don't have a really big tank, and you don't really want to go to a harbor where you need to make a choice because they have a pump-out, so what do you do? And we are what we say, um, we refer to as inside and outside. Inside is inside the islands. Outside is basically yeah. out in the open Off ocean. Off Idaho. Yeah, so uh, we're outside. Let's pump it overboard. Yeah, see, that's a lot of what we do say and sometimes do do, I'll admit, but I'm not convinced. I'm not, I'm not convinced that's the right answer, and I don't know what the right answer is because you don't want that tank to burst under your bunk. <laughs> and again, you don't want to have to cruise uh, dock to dock or pump out boat to pump out boat. No. You'd like to be in quiet coves where yeah. such things are, you know, yeah. uh, not much uh, in mind tonight. Yeah. 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 And again, accommodations got to be made. You can't take the dog for a walk without a plastic bag anymore. You just can't. Something like that. You know, and you don't want one attached to yourself. So, uh, you know, the boat's got to have one, apparently. Yeah. Or. 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 There are um, systems. Uh, that's a quote, or a, in, in, in quotes, uh, Electrosan and Mansfield, where they aren't actually holding tanks, they process it um, yeah. and then send it out immediately, so you're not really holding that much. Macerate, they also macerate, they have macerate pump, yeah, uh, yeah. chop it up. And, Electrosan, uh, again, I uh, believe, uses a little bit of electricity to um, uh, 
make seawater into um, hydrogen gas and, and hydrochloric acid. I'm still yeah. trying to turn it into gold. I haven't yeah. got there yet, man. Yeah. So instead of pumping just straight poop, you're pumping poop and hydrochloric acid overboard. But yeah, the, acid, the acid gets rid of the uh, bacteria, so therefore it's sanitary. <clears throat> Swim call. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. The Mansfield one has its own little formaldehyde injector that does the same sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what are we gaining there? Yeah. There, mm. there are good documents. Back to Nigel's book, Bonar's Mechanical. He's got a great section on plumbing and heads. The type one, type two, and type three, I think, is what they designate. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of things been written, and we've all read it. But yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a, a different, um, you know, other, which is uh, composting toilet, yeah. and particularly uh, the airhead. Yeah. I like the airhead quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the fella is uh, uh, headquartered in Westbrook, Maine. And uh, the airhead is a diverting toilet which separates the pee and the poo, which I believe is quite important for yep. uh, odor control and also, uh, you know, disposal and uh, maintenance there. Uh, very ruggedly built. It basically uh, bolts down onto a riser or right onto the uh, floor of your house or your boat. Um, there is a, um, a limitation. They, they if you read uh, reviews of them, Google airhead airhead uh, composting toilet and you can uh, see uh, demonstrations and also reviews uh, including from wooden boat uh, forum Um, everybody pretty much likes them the limiting factor is uh, the pee bottle yeah you know and but they made it bigger yeah Uh, and again uh, separate the pee and the poop and then you're putting peat peat moss in with the poop stirring the crank handle and it just doesn't smell at all yeah, and that's I've heard good things about those. Yeah, People, yeah, yeah. Uh, lighthouses and some other like back to landers are using that in terms of places that are very uh, tiny house people. Yeah, um, yeah. And again, uh, fairly good capacity. Uh, the pee bottle being the uh, I guess uh, limiting factor to it. And at the end, you've got some compost uh, instead of uh, you know something that needs to go off to the uh, marine municipal yeah. waste treatment. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, it's a good. It's a good. Uh, Good solution. I w- somebody on the launch the other day just said he was thinking about going to one, refitting the boat, but I've not seen it myself. Yeah, no, I've seen a couple of them. I don't have uh, use experience or maintenance experience, and they will point out that you got to change your habits a little bit. You yeah. have to be, uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, little aware of what you're doing, and uh, and uh, you have to think ahead. And and uh, again, there's uh, not just uh, press a lever and don't think and don't think nothing anymore. Right, right. What great right. days those were. Yeah. Well, speaking about great days, back to the schooner days and uh, some of the other things I've learned. We used to just take our organic materials and throw them overboard. Like if you had an apple and you didn't want the core, you just throw it overboard. Mm. But uh, these days we bring a composting bucket and bring it back because things like orange peels don't just like disappear and they sound like they're good oh, for the environment. I gonna bring but that up. they're not. You really probably yeah. ought to take it and put it where it belongs in your compost at home. Again, the no discharge rule is uh, also for garbage uh, compost things. I'm always the cook, okay? And the idea yeah. that you can't uh, be in the galley and toss some yeah. eggshells out the companionway yeah. or a banana peel is just, uh, but yes, I've, I've more or less cut back on that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, uh, Molly, I probably, uh, probably got like 300 uh, boat deliveries or so and uh, a lot of cruising. Uh, on one hand, you can count the number of times I've been involved in pump out. Yeah. Well, that's uh, your experience is not unusual, I don't think. But 
I'm right with you. I uh, can't keep <laughs> just pumping it overboard and ignoring uh, the days are past. So There's a lot more of us now than yeah. there were. What's anybody else out there thinking this morning? It's boat talk. We'll talk to anybody about uh, this, that, or, you know. Whatever. Some eight, other it. one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 Let's talk about the lobster boat races for a little bit that are coming up. Um, this is an annual main thing. Um, I had a vision of Sea Princess uh, entering the lobster boat race with the dinner cruise aboard. We'll, we'll just uh, be sort of, uh, you know. It's we'll, a long cruise. We'll make the run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll make the run. We know we ain't going to win, but we'll be the happiest boat there. The thing yeah. is, yeah. and the, the lobster boat races are a party, especially for the people involved. No, uh, no there's no party. No. <laughs> no smiling. It's, it's a, a significant social... Uh, event. <laughs> event for uh, some of the fishermen involved, yes. Yes. Uh, some of them will actually put on clean T-shirts and, uh, you know, bring the family. Well, some yep. of them will pull their boat right out and do some tune-ups and do a lot oh, of serious... Oh, there's some serious tune-ups right yeah. now. There's some a, of them spend yeah. some serious money on there's this, There's a yes. picture on Facebook right now, if you go to my Facebook page, showing a large blower motor that's going into a, <coughs> a Wayne Beal 28. Ooh. Jeremy Beals put it together. This is the uh, <laughs> Main Built Boats website? No, this is just mine. So just put my name in, John Johansson. John Johansson, that's J-O-N. Jet. And uh, I shared that this morning because it got splashed around yesterday. But it's going to be a big blower motor. And so he's going to be racing Stevie Johnson probably out of Long Island, Sean Alley out of Beals, uh, and probably the Ingerts with Thunderbolt. So for the top prize in gas. But the question is, can they beat Wild Wild West? Wild Wild West has gone, what, what 60 miles an 60 hour? 60 point something, yeah. Yeah. But they've also found out that there's a difference in governors, and they're wondering which governor they have because there's eight different ones for that engine, which is an Isada. Huh. So they were going down to, I think, Elliott or York to test out that governor Get system. Governor to, little, go to little see f- if they've got a little bit more fuel they can shove in that motor. <laughs> we've we've made the point before uh you lobster boat is a displacement uh hull that is meant to plow through the water uh, well some of them are unless you apply a ridiculous amount of power then you can force it basically out of the water and well some come out easier yeah a holland will come out easier some of the mitchell coves come out easier yeah the northern bay 36 and 38 are a quick boat your full-keeled boat doesn't really want to come out of the water because what happens then, it's it's kind of, imagine now most of the boat is out of the water and you get your keel. Uh, you can ride up on it. Again, uh, it's called keel flopping. The boat can now tip over port or starboard, uh, keel flop back and forth. If it doesn't fall over, uh, you'd think it would be. So I've been on a boat like that. Man, scare the pants off you. So. I've been on uh, the Red Baron at about 58 miles an hour, and it was fine. Yeah. Uh, Uncle's UFO, which is now Miss Katie, uh, she was fine at 50 miles an hour. That was Andy Gove's boat, which is now Nick Weberg's boat. Power, power, power. That's the equation. Yep. She's yep. only she's only about 1,000 horsepower. Mm. Yep. <laughs> so have you ever had to cancel any of these races on account of the weather? The only time that you would cancel is because of the wind. Big waves? No. Waves would be a problem, too, depending on how big they are. But a lot of our harbors are enclosed, so mm-hmm. it's not too bad. The wind and fog mm. oh, would be fog. the biggest. <laughs> fog is Jonesport. I've been to Jonesport three times to get a race done. Huh. 
Yeah, it's no good for the spectators either. But there was one time there was a torrential downpour in Rockland. We ran the races. There was no spectators. There was three people on the committee <laughs> boat, and the only people that were there were the people who were running, and there was somebody in the open boat class. Mm. <laughs> one of the best ways to watch a lobster boat race is from uh, your own boat and uh, visit other people on the boats, but they're also land uh, – yeah. for people that yeah uh, you can do it at booth bay usually you stay on the east side of the harbor <clears throat> you can see across uh then we're going to go f- this is this saturday we race in booth bay sunday will be the easiest one probably to actually spectate at which is walk out on the breakwater in rockland yeah and we're running right down the side of the breakwater yeah perfect like say yeah. good spectator sport right whether yeah. you got a boat or not yeah. and then we go to bass harbor you can see that from uh the ferry terminal just before that, yeah, there's, there's a, a road out o- to the ferry terminal. Yeah, there's a little overlook. Yep. And we race right towards you. And then we've got to go to uh, Musabek. And that's easy because you can stand on the bridge. But we can't get too close to the bridge because they're putting a new one in, <laughs> in Beals Island. And then we go to uh, Stonington. That'll be the biggest race of the year. Nice. And again, uh, the American way, uh, bigger, bigger engines. Yeah, we've just yep. signed a deal with uh, with NASCAR, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Serious now? Why not? Well, it's more to generate interest in NASCAR. Because uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway was losing some of the people, so they were looking for ways to get more people involved. And they kind of teamed up with us, and we're giving away three pairs of tickets at each race, first five races of the year. And the connecting motorheads, uh, you know, motor nuts, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good thing. So, so we're going to probably see a NASCAR boat uh, one of these. No, <laughs> you know, th- their game's way too high. <laughs> uh, well, what about the uh, what little Pontiac that the guy put on? on oh, yes, that was yeah. Stevie Johnson yeah. from Long Island. Yeah, so I could, yeah, that's gone because the car rusted away. So, <laughs> so we but then a, he put a vet on one. Put a NASCAR still, on there. They're made out of plastic anyway. So, well, some are. Some of them have still got metal uh, frames, clips, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see some of the n- real non-race boats, the real fish, the boats working that, boats, yeah. the working boats, because yeah. probably ninety-five to ninety-eight percent of the boats that actually come to race are work boats. Yeah, I think Bass Harbor, where I go, that I think they're all working boats except wild wild west oh he's going to show up yeah he'll show up that's his home <laughs> port oh really yeah glenn crawford well he actually lives in lemoyne but oh he grew i know up, glenn yeah yeah but he grew up in i thought he would be up in ellsworth somewhere but no okay yeah now, if anybody's interested in these uh, lobster boat races booth bay this weekend uh, where would they look for more information <laughs> call yeah <laughs> call yeah two two three eight eight four six all right. You know, two, we, two, we'll three. fill them in where you can get where you can stand, that sort of thing. Uh, like I said, you can usually on the east side of the harbor. Most people can find a way to get on a boat. And uh, again, some uh, good spectator sports, some main culture, and any excuse for a lobster roll, honey. Come oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that floating around in Booth Bay. And, yeah, it's, why not? It, and the tourists aren't really there yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, let's. And then we close the season in Portland, and that's probably one of the most important races because we do that for MS. So uh, all the money raised at the last race of the year, and the lobstermen give back almost all of the money that they win yeah. goes back into the pot. And so we probably donate about $8,000 every year to MS, nice. just the lobster boat races. Yeah. And then if you really want to see a race, you stay out for one more race, and the tugboats come out of Portland, and they race down the course. 
and that's the only time you'll see lobster boats cut adrift of each other and not be tied up. Yeah, yeah, tied. Oh, hey, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Huh? Huh? Lobster and tugboat races. It, it's. Um, <clears throat> Do they? Do some of them go very fast? I mean, they're they're not built for speed. No, that's for they're, sure. they're top out at fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. Because uh, your uh, tugboat I was on had fourteen foot draft, so right Navy YTB. Yeah, yeah. Uh, try to get yeah. that up out of the water. Uh, huh? They don't get yeah. up very well. Yeah. No, mine supposedly when it was actually a working tug could do eighteen, but I'm one hundred and seventeen feet by twenty five, drawing twelve feet. Yep, down a 30-foot wave for a minute. You will be going, yeah. yeah. So anyway, let's go back to Molly Muller in here. And, uh, <laughs> Molly, you uh, experience uh, mostly in sailboats, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we have much powerboating experience? Uh, no, no precious little. Never had a real drive to get on a powerboat. Like, I always think I like about a sailboat is, is that, you know, you got an outboard or maybe you've got a diesel, but you always got another means to get home. And I go, if I'm on a powerboat and it gives up, how am I going to get home? Uh, you get the rowboat out and row it in. <laughs> I just stick with a sailboat. Just wait to sail. Uh, don't leave home without AAA. Uh, be the first thing. But as a um, fellow who's delivered, uh, like say, a lot, a lot of sailboats, we yeah. uh, started to fantasize about a uh, steering wheel with a couch and a TV behind it instead <laughs> of the ocean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not bad being inside and, and yeah, uh, driving no. a powerboat. And, again, it's all camping. Yeah, well, you know, that's what, with the multi-hulls, a lot of people, you know, have gone from a, a, a sloop to multi-hull because they want that sort of the, the comfort of the many hulls, keeping them flat so they don't have that healing angle thing and yeah. so on. So I'm not, I get it, but I, I'm, I'm not even a little bit interested in that either. I like the sloop. Now, you and your friend James, you uh, yeah, you keep that boat moving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she races a lot, and uh, Jim's a g- an excellent, excellent sailor. And uh, we're gonna—he's gonna take her offshore, go to Halifax this summer, and uh, that'll be our first offshore experience. But uh, for me, I'm gonna join him on the return trip. So yeah. Nice, Halifax. I, uh, you know, uh, talk about a sailor town. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, sailor college town, basically. Uh, uh, great town for sailors and a great harbor. Um, I recommend the Armdale Yacht Club. That's the working man's yacht club at okay. the end of the uh, Northwest Arm there. There's also, okay. you, you have to go by the Royal. Royal ro- you yes. go by the Royal. They're nice, too. They run the race. They oh, run the Marblehead uh, to some Halifax. Of, uh, hey, yeah. uh, I, yeah, I like those guys. But uh, like I say, the boys up the top. Okay. Um, Armdale Yacht Club is an absolute working man's um, uh, yacht club there. They have a, a crane on the dock that they let people step their own mass. And I wow. looked at that thing as a boatyard guy and went, that ain't safe. <laughs> so I said to the the fellow, I said, is, is this uh, safe? Is this like idiot proof? And he, he put up sign of a cross and he went, don't ever say that. He says, no such thing as idiot proof. There's only idiot resistant. Huh. You know huh. they're making better, better idiots every day. But, yeah, we copied this from someplace else. And nice fellows. Yeah. They were um, threatened uh, last time I was there by condo mm-hmm. development. And um, in the War of 1812, there's a little tiny island there that had a uh, prison that held American sailors in the War huh? of 1812, oh, yeah. and now they're doing archaeology there. Oh. And guess what that does to the condo uh, yeah. possibilities? Oh, yes. Good. Oh, good. And the joke was, we love Americans here, especially old dead ones. <laughs> <laughs> so Armdale, if you're up in Excellent. Halifax, Armdale Yacht that. Club, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like those people. The museum is an incredible place. I've never been to it, but they say that is really nice to go through. Uh, the museum Marit- of the Atlantic? Yeah, the yeah. Maritime Museum there. Yeah. Mm. In Halifax, yeah. downtown? 
Yeah, because yeah. of course they probably cover that major explosion they had in 1917 on the 6th of December. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that, that was, was pretty uh, largest, terrible. Largest explosion until Hiroshima. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people killed all at once. Now, speak of some uh, places you like to go with the boat uh, closer in, coast of Maine here. Well, let's see. Well, Jim mentioned Perry's Creek. It's a little bit busy these days, but uh, Idaho. Vinyl Haven. Yeah. Perry's Vin- Creek's Vinyl Haven, isn't it? Yep, yep. yep. Backside of Vinyl Haven. You go through uh, North Haven, uh, go through the thoroughfare and take a uh, right, basically. And what's nice about it, it's a little tiny creek. It is a tiny creek, and there's great trails ashore run by the Vinyl Haven Land Trust. So you can uh, go ashore and just have an incredible walking experience or running or whatever. So that's, that's a lot of fun. I like Isla Ho. It's uh, still got its whole little flavor out there. It's nice. a great place to get out to. We like the people on Isla Ho. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. Nice trails there. Yeah, yeah. And we love to get over to Frenchboro, uh, you know, and... Uh, Main Coast Heritage Trust has got a trail system out there, and it's way out there, and that's kind of fun. Also known as Long Island. Yes. And um, off of, uh, you know, the south end of MDI there. And if right. You're going to the Cape Cod Canal. That's the, uh, once you get around Frenchboro, you're outside. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's ain't for much sure. outside of Frenchboro, yeah. so. And talk about lobster rolls at Lunt's. You yeah. can't, you got to have a lobster roll at Lunt's. Yep, and they're all named Lunt out to Frenchboro, yeah. so, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, can't, can't, can't go wrong. Can't much get in trouble with the boys out there. Yeah. 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 Um, we haven't talked about, um, I keep forgetting her first name, the person who is going to be doing Casey. it. Casey. Yes. Casey's going to be get, having, oh, we did mention yeah, the, we the boat, yes. Casey Cronkite, yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting old. <laughs> <laughs> her boat's named Pax. She wrote a great book called P-A-X. Finding Pax. Where was it built? Good name for a boat. Denmark. Yep, was it on a Colin Archer design? No, it's uh, I'm, I'm so I should remember. I'm her editor. I should remember the name of the designer. But no, there was a fellow who designed quite a few Spitzgatzers, and uh, this is one of his. And uh, she went and found the forest where the trees were built. Oh, trees grew that it was built from. That he cut trees. And she's incredible history of this boat, and it's just oh. really fun to think about a wooden boat and think about where all that wood came from, and then go search for it. Well, the Royal Danish Forest. Yeah, that's where. Well, yeah. they're supplying the wood for Bowden because oh. she's now fully planked. They oh. replaced 70 planks on her bottom. 70. Ooh, 70. That's a lot. And I was there where they put the whiskey plank in. Wow. And then they oh. also put the bottom on with that wood on Ernestine and Morrissey. Yeah. What's a whiskey plank? That's the last one. That's when they all have whiskey at the oh, end because okay. the last plank's all right, on. All right, yeah. That's down <laughs> in not excuse. the garbage then. <laughs> no, any excuse. That's down yeah. in Booth Bay, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Booth Bay. The shipyard at Booth Bay Harbor because that's owned now by Bristol Marine. Yeah, and I hear finding the wood for these boats is a real issue right now. Well, he seems to have a good, Eric Graves, who's running the yard, yeah. seems to have a good handle on how yeah. to find that wood because they were able to plank her bottom, 70 planks, in about two months. Wow. Yeah. But think about sourcing all that. You really uh, got to yep. think ahead, and you got to figure out where, where, what do I need? Where am I? And they had from? a rush. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and let's think of uh, falling in love with anybody or anything, let alone a um, uh, very old wooden boat. And I'd love to ask her if she has learned anything about the boat now that she wishes she knew. Uh, you know, as she went into it, and how well did she survey it? Um, you know, technically speaking, you don't go into any boat with having a evaluated survey right right you know i think she has learned a ton of stuff but it like love it she's just it just made her more fall you can more find in love. excuses for you the got stupid it. you stuff. got it 
We didn't ask you this morning, Molly, but the boat talk question, and I use it on musicians, writers, just stay in the t- change the terms. What what happened to you when you was m- young made you stupid about boats, you know? <laughs> uh, I think Maine happened, actually. Wooden boats in Maine, that's what happened. And I just, you know, I got, got the bug and yeah. could never turn back, could never think of living anyplace else, yeah. doing any other work but nautical books. And to have a... Um, a happy place that is, uh, you know, a boat, let alone a camp or, uh, you know, a room you can go into or a tree you can sit under is precious. Yeah. It's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. a boat's a pretty good trick for a yeah. happy place. Yeah, sure You know, is. you make a couple of happy associations and uh, yeah. uh, involve other people as well. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. say friends, relatives. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you cruise with other people at all? We do. We take. A, it's a small boat, so she's thirty-four feet. But we do take other couples and uh, kids and. Or people. in company with other boats ever. That much actually, yeah. yeah, we could, uh, you know, but we don't. No. That gets messed up because yeah. everybody goes different speeds. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody's done at breakfast, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Although I have to say, racing is kind of like that, you know. I tried not to speak ill of <laughs> racing when the subject <laughs> come up, uh, you know. Well, I'm having, not big on it. Yeah, well, I had a little 22 foot boat that I raced, and I learned a lot by racing her, and I think it just made me a better sailor because that kind of competition, like a lot of competition. And if we were speaking to your friend James right now, I'd ask him if he's ever been ice boating. Hopefully so, because uh, you don't know anything about sailing unless you've been ice boating. Yeah. And uh, he's a Minnesota boy, so. Yeah, and uh, <coughs> ice boats used to be the fastest thing on the planet before they built uh, uh, big airplanes. You know, big trains. Yeah. I guess uh, maybe yeah. train went faster than ice boat first time, but uh, you yeah. know, uh, before they built big engines, ice boat was the fastest thing you could yeah. you could uh, be on the planet and. Uh, one of the funniest uh, sailing experiences in the world is jibing an ice boat because they climb into the wind on the wind. They're, um, uh, they're, they're fastest, basically, yeah. and noisy as hell. And uh, the skates are rumbling and chattering and everything, and it's, it's uh, quite an intense experience. And as soon as you turn off the wind, everything gets real quiet. Wow, wow. <laughs> you can have that, Mike. I don't need the ice boat. Yeah, well, <laughs> we've done it again. We've sailed through another hour of boat talk. Um, We'll have to think up a script next yeah, time. We'll have to, yeah. <laughs> well, I do want to remind you again about the Boat Talk Cruise. Call uh, 469-6600 to get some tickets. There's only 18 left for the cruise on Saturday evening, June 22nd from 615 till 830 out of Northeast Harbor. And Check out the Points East Magazine, uh, June edition, with uh, Use Your Head, my friend Molly Mulhern. It's a free magazine. Pick it up on any kind of boating shop, but along with the Maine Coastal News, too. So thanks to Amy Brown down in the engine room for keeping things going. And stay tuned for a brand-new edition of On the Wing with Shane and Mark carrying us on for the next three hours here on WERU-FM, Blue Hill 89.9, and on the internet at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Gambell and Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats,